Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the was just thinking about it. All right, today we're going to be continuing in Exodus chapter 22. Starting with uh, Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, King James Version. If a man should steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Why is it more oxen? Why do you think it's more oxen than sheep? Wouldn't oxen be more expensive? Because aren't they bigger? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't right. seen them. Well, well, but he stole than... something of more value, so he'd have to recompense something of more value. Yeah, but it's saying for, for it. it's saying for one ox, you have to pay back five. Right. And then for one sheep, you have to pay back four. <laughs> right. So it's like if you stole someone's house, you'd have to pay back... The house plus all this acreage plus I mean it would have so much more value than if you stole a vase. If you stole a vase, you might just have to replace it with a vase and then a note saying you're sorry, you know. <laughs> but like it's all kind of based on the the value of what's being sold, and it's probably you know it's like something's value times five, you know. So if something has more value, they're gonna ah, have to give more back okay. to make up for it. You know, I almost wish we'd go to this type of system because this would be a huge deterrent for thievery. I mean, really, if you had to pay back even four times, whatever the value was. Right. I mean, honestly, like it'll go on and give more about thievery and the protection of property. But yeah, we can continue they, on. It just kind of struck me weird that the oxen is five. I don't think they, they had prison back then either. No, they didn't. Like, <laughs> we have with, prison. With God's justice system, you know, there's no prison. But it's like, you know, we see that in today's day. Like, what does that do for the criminal? We lock them up, but then they go out and they commit more crime. Whereas with this system, you know, they had to to work to pay off what they stole. Or, you know, they had to to right. return yeah. to the victim, you know, and it was a little bit more unfortunate, which I'm sure actually helps the situation, you know, instead of just. And plus the fines that the criminals have to pay, it goes towards the government and not towards the victims. Right. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this it goes straight to the victims and not the government. Or does yeah. it? We'll see. Continuing on. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen up upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Right. That's that slavery that everybody keeps talking about. 
Yeah, we kind of discussed the laws on servants and slavery the last time, and I thought it was really nice, although I, I we did have to give that preface that a lot of times in Scripture when we're talking about slavery or servants, it's more like employment, because right. at least that's more like what God was trying to make it, because when the Israelites were in slavery and servitude to Egypt, they were not treated like employees. They were treated like absolute just filth of the earth, slavery and, you know, abuse and that kind of things. And this is something that God wanted to stop. And this was just God's way. Like you said, Susanna, God's judicial system or God's law system. Can I say help the criminal? Because this kind of teaches them the lesson instead of just, like you said, just kind of putting, putting them in a timeout, they actually have to work off their, their debt towards somebody. If you, if someone breaks in at night, that makes sense because if someone breaks in your home at night and you can't see what they're doing, it's dark. So you're going to be thinking you might be defending your life. So therefore, what is that? Just cause, you know, it's not murder. But if it happens during the day, you can see what they're doing. So if they're just stealing from you, that's not a cause for killing them. Therefore, you would be guilty. So and then it would go by the normal laws of theft. So that's that's so fair. <laughs> God's trying to be fair here. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten and shall put in his beast and shall feed in another man's field of the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard, shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that the stacks of corn, or the standing corn, or in the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. <clears throat> Sounds like uh, in the olden days, we didn't need insurance companies to uh, make sure we got our restitutions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and you can see how all these systems we have today, I guess they work, but they're still... They're a business, and it's the business that's ultimately going to be profiting off of it. Insurance companies make tons of money. We pay them, and then they kind of help us sometimes. You know, and like with the government, we pay them, but all this money for crime goes to them. Whereas with this, you take the middleman out, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you just have to. Do, of course, it's easier maybe because it wasn't just money. You know, they actually had cows and had animals so they they bartered and you know worked things out a little mm-hmm. differently i don't know how that would look today but i, I have a feeling we're going to find out in the next couple of years <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> if we go back to the bartering system guys i'm lost <laughs> yeah oh, I me too i'm just now trying to set up a garden <laughs> oh, i do hair for my house and i'm like oh okay i mean you can bring me a dozen eggs for your haircut that's fine <laughs> yeah, i'll be right over right <laughs> You're cheating, man. Eric could use a trim. I I work with somebody who's he's got like the perfect shaped head for a bald head, and so he shaves his head a lot. I wish I had his head, and I tell him that all the time because I'm like, I got a I got an egg weird egg shaped head when it's shaved. So. <laughs> oh, all bald head looks fine as long as you got a goatee. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if a man, <laughs> number seven is where we're at. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, 
If the thief be found, let him pay double. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he have put his hand onto the neighbor's goods. So is this borrowing or is this like, you know, hey, Susanna, I brought over my lawnmower because I'm building a barn and I, I need it stored somewhere. Is that is it like I'm, I'm giving it to you to, to hold on to for me or is it you borrowed it or is it just one and the same? It almost sounds like it's both. Like if you just have somebody else's property that's not yours and you're it's you know, like you're taking responsibility. Uh, for I think it. it's circumstantial, but I, I can see definitely like take, for example, the loaning. If you loan somebody something and it's in your heart that you never return it, that is actually theft. What if I just forget? Because I'm really bad at forgetting. Forget, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I would think that they have uh, a honor roll system or like a reminding system. Like, hey, you still got that? <laughs> right, but this uh, this sounds like it's it's holding the the borrower or the the he's holding the person who's who's holding on to it responsible for that item. If it's I stolen. would think so if you have a contract, even verbally, like, hey, can you take care of this for me? And then something bad happens to it, it's in your possession. I don't know, just to me this whole thing, that whole like verse seven to verse eight seems really obscure. I mean, unless it was a common thing back then. I mean, I'm not really confused about it. I'm not confused by it. It just it seems I don't know, it just seems well, this yeah, is what I'm know. always talking about when I say that God does not leave a lot of life out. No. <laughs> like, it's like, where are the gray areas? Like, I, I can't. He's having, find a hard, yeah, having a hard time finding them. Where this would happen. But I'm sure it happens. And God's like, well, if this happens, here are some guidelines with how to deal with it. <laughs> it happens <laughs> like in the military all the time. People go on deployments. Hey, can you take care of this for me? And stuff just think, just things just happen. You see it. Right. All, I've seen it. So. Right. So, yeah, it seems really weird to like me. I'm like, I don't know why I would just give my neighbor money or an animal or whatever but apparently it's a thing somewhere but i was talking about the loan things when he said there's a difference between hey can you take care of this and a loan okay. uh, whether it's be money or an ox or, or loaning sheep, them dog. yeah loaning them a, yeah. a lawnmower or something yeah i mean i have my neighbor's uh skunk traps and i've had them for a couple months and he said you can hold on to them for as long as you like i have every intent on returning those but i've had them for a few months now am i guilty of theft no Right. He knows where they're at. <laughs> right. He hasn't asked for them. Now, if he asked for them and I say, oh, I don't have them anymore and I still got them, well, then I lied and I attempt theft. Right. But now if you were to, to like, break those, you probably would feel like you should replace them for your neighbor, yeah. right? <laughs> yep, exactly. Right. So it's like, he entrusts me with these. I was using them. I broke them. The right um, thing to do would be to offer to replace them for him when yeah. you give them back. Plus, it's just mutual respect, you know, the right. golden rule from uh, treat others how you would like to be treated. It's in the Bible. Same thing with people's things. You know, uh, animatic objects are exactly that. If something breaks, then oh well. But at the same time, be respectful and be like, hey, I, I broke this. I'm going to replace it for you. Here's something right. that might be even better. Right, I'm pretty sure in here somewhere there is one where it says if you borrow your neighbor's clay pot and you break it. Yeah, I remember reading something about that. 
Yeah, so it's like so many of these things. And when people are like, oh, none of that stuff is important anymore. That's all been done away with. I'm like, most of this stuff is just like common courtesy, like how we should treat people. <laughs> like you really don't think if you break someone's thing, you should re like replace it. Maybe for them? that's why I'm a little baffled by it. Like I'm not confused because it makes sense, but maybe that's why I'm kind of baffled by it because it's, it's something that should be common courtesy. Where are we at? Nine, I think eight? we're at nine. <laughs> nine. Okay. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Ass means donkey. <laughs> It's a donkey. My, my version um, is is PG, and they just say donkey. Yeah, mine so. says donkey. <laughs> <laughs> if a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep, and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good. That was a long one. Oh, so there's allowed to be accidents, you know? It's like, oh, well, it just got away. You know, it's not the person's fault, yeah. so the person isn't held accountable. I but think it, both of them has to agree this, don't they? Yeah, right. I mean, all of this, you know, these yeah. are judicial, you know, this is a judicial system, so it's like... Yes, they might even take it to the judges and be like, well, this that's, is what happened and this is what happened. And then they have to come to an agreement, you know. That's what I was going to say is, uh, several times so far. It says, you know, obviously, if it's these weird situations that there's multiple parties involved, it sounds like when when you get into something like that, that's not, you know, black and white, absolutely clear. Then just bring it before the judges. You tell your story, you tell yours, you tell yours and let the judges decide. Right, you but know. it's not even like you have to. It's like today if you get in a car accident and there's a tiny scratch on someone's car and they might be like, oh, I don't care. We don't have to get the place right, involved. Right, right, exactly. You know, or it's like someone might be like, well, can I pay you? Can I do something? You know, like that's something you could work out amongst yourselves. But depending on the people or depending on the situation, they might be like, no, we have to get someone else involved. So okay, it's so kind of open-ended. So let me ask this question. Too. I mean, I mean, I, I know we're not quite, we're not but halfway through this. This would, if we could apply some modern context to this, uh, how would you guys feel or maybe rate or situationally discuss Christians suing other people or, like you just said, somebody hit, somebody bumping into somebody's car, damaging somebody else's car, etc. How should a Christian, how should they react in a situation like that? And I don't mean, don't get too specific, but just... How should we, in that situation, if we can go general, how should we present ourselves and act in that type of situation? Well, I think that, um, you know, God is a God of justice. So I don't think we should necessarily just shrug everything back. Like, oh, you were texting and hit my car. It's fine. You know, just go on. Like, like. Obviously, it's situational. I know this you. is kind of a loaded question. So yeah, I, I think you could, but I don't think that. It would be outside of God's character or outside of us to be taking on his character to say justice needs to, you know, come with what you've done. And I think that's kind of where even where Jesus talks about um, 
you know, the law says if someone punches you, you know, you can punch them back. But Christ is like, well, or you could turn the other cheek, you know? So it's like, I feel like it is all situational and just knowing God better, knowing, you know, what he would do in these situations better, because there's times with us that he shows us mercy. You know, we might not face the consequences of our actions because he's merciful, but then in other situations, it's not merciful to let someone not Face not be the held, yeah, if you not let be held someone, accountable. Yeah, if you let someone get away with it over and over again, you're you're that's not loving. You're not helping them. Right. That may so, not be doing that person any favors. That's yeah. Right. So I think it's just yeah. it really just comes down to knowing God and trying to be like him and be like, is this a situation where mercy needs to be shown to love this person to lead them closer to you? Or is this a situation where they need to face a consequence and they need that? They need to experience the wrath because there needs to be a balance of mercy and wrath, you know, otherwise we'll all just be destroyed. You know, it has to be there. <laughs> Here, here's a, a prime example. I have a family whom I love very dearly and they're, they're a family friend of the family. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, that this family was, we, we hung out a lot and we were all, cause their kids were all our age and we were all their age, that kind of thing. And short version is, is one of their daughters, Gracie, unfortunately, she died from a mal malpractice, medical malpractice. She was only like eight or seven. Like she was very young and very sad situation. I mean, it, it was just a bad situation all around. But the punchline of the story is, is that the family was a good Christian family, but they ended up suing the hospital. But the thing is, is in the end, they got like, you know, a $3.7 million settlement or something like that. And the money ended up changing the family, like in a very bad way. Now, mind you, I, I love them very, very dearly still to this day. And it wasn't every family member of the family, but needless to say, the whole family was broken to pieces because now they sued, they sued a hospital and now they're, now they're filthy stinking rich. But they, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things like you don't know, you didn't experience to get the money. So it actually hurt the family by trying to do that. Now I'm, I'm not advocating that doctors should not be held accountable for malpractice. So that's not my point because she was very young and she should not have died period. But you know, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a bad situation, but okay. We, we I guess we can keep going. Are we on 12? Yes. And if it be stolen from him, he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness, and he shall not make good that which was torn. And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. See, and I think that simplifies the whole thing is it's, you should make it good. I think simplifies this whole thing. If we, if we all come to each other and make it right, then a lot of this kind of goes away. I mean, would you agree? I'm not saying right. negating what God's saying here. What I'm saying is, is I, I think that sums it up <clears throat> in one, in one pretty package. We can hand somebody, make it good. If you've offended right. in this manner. 
Right. Well, and like, here's where it kind of shifts gears moving on. But it's like right now, so far, we've been going over, you know, if this happens, this is how you deal with it. So it's like, these are things that will happen, even among God's people who are, you know, supposed to be acting like him and like are supposed to be learning and, and, you know, his royal priesthood nation, like these are things that will happen. But all of the consequences, they kind of benefit both parties. There's something happens and then there's a consequence. The victim is, is, has restitution made to them. The person who committed the crime hopefully grows from that experience. Like, you know, it's, it's all for the better. So it's like, even if you committed these wrongs, you can, you can still get past it and it's not held against you anymore. You know, you've paid it back overall, you know, you might move forward to be a great member of society, but then like, we're going to go into moral. It's not so much like if this does this, and this is what happens. It's like, if this does this, like this is not acceptable at all among God's people. And you're probably going to be cut off or killed. Like, you know, we're kind of getting this more serious, like moral stuff coming up, I think. And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuse to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. Right. Yours says maiden. My verse says entices a virgin. I just I like yours. Yeah. Way, I like yours way better. A maiden. It makes it seem so like. Knight in shining armor, like a maiden. <laughs> oh, my film, maiden. Yeah, right. So, wait, okay, so entices. Is this just talking about like wooing a young girl to do stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing together? <laughs> I'm guessing. There's like seduction there, and it yeah, it doesn't mention anything that's uh, not against her will or anything yet. As right. You say. And. Uh, and honestly, I would think in today's terminology, this would go both ways. I mean, obviously, there's no virgin debt anymore, at least in the United States of America. I, I Not can't from speak a legal sense, at least. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but however, you know, there used to be a time where parents did teach uh, virginity as a special thing it's not that like that today and this ultimately you know protects the family and it protects the woman so it's like if he seduces her and lies with her they're basically saying she's likely pregnant you know so it's like you can't just then walk away from her you know you have a responsibility because now she's likely could be pregnant and have a baby and she's not wow. a virgin anymore so it's like you can't just ruin her life and leave her you have to at least offer to take her as your wife you can't just be sleeping around spreading your seed everywhere you have that's, to take responsibility for that right, and that's a and really plus good virgins point. are worth more than non-virgins that just means that that she was divorced usually right and that's a that's a great point because that verse 17 it says if her father utterly refuses but imagine if the father refused the marriage. Okay, let's just say the father refused it. The father himself, in, a, in part, would be responsible for her live, livelihood afterward also. Because right. imagine, like you guys, piggybacking off of what you guys just said, she's no longer a virgin. She's no longer an available maiden. 
she's a woman who's been violated who now has a child so whoever marries into her will be marrying into that situation you, you know what right. i mean so if if you know someone else comes along and you know they want to marry her it's it sounds so terrible to say like oh she's not like worth as much but it's like to the family she has a kid now she has to take care of likely right. so she's not as useful in helping the family farm because she's mothering her kid mm-hmm. and she might not be as useful helping out in the family she's marrying into because she has that other responsibility so it's just like it's that protection so they're saying either way even if like let's say this guy is a jerk and the dad's like there's no way i'm letting her marry you but you still have to be responsible it's almost like a what do we do now like dads have to pay uh no, it's not called? alimony it's child child support child support yeah so it's like you still made an impact on her life where it's never gonna be the same so you still have to be responsible for that even if you know you're not getting married um and he has to pay it either way yeah he has to pay that price either way yeah yeah, yeah. and kind of i've been trying to figure out how to say this politely <laughs> they did not have preventative pregnancy measures back then uh they didn't have most likely when they did their thing they did their thing they didn't do it for they didn't do it uh there there's an example in the bible where it talks about where these men kept marrying this one lady uh they would die because they would spread their seeds somewhere else after they'd laid with her uh so according to their customs, they're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed right. to spread their seeds somewhere else because they would die. And uh, so with that being said, like you said, there was a possibility that after being seduced and being laid with without even being engaged or married, or whatever, she was most likely pregnant that night. Right. Or she wasn't pregnant and then someone might not want to marry her because they because, might think she exactly. could have kids. So it's kind Either of a lose-lose. Yeah, right. either way, it's impacted her life in a negative way. Yeah, I or mean, maybe she loves him and she wants to marry him, and right. and her father doesn't think he's a jerk, and then they get married, and it's fine. Okay, now we're going to be getting into, into some heavy stuff. Let me read 18. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Some of them actually say witch. I know there are some versions that say you, sh- you shall not permit a witch to live. Now, I do have a question on this. Why is it that witchcraft, sorcery, magics in general in scripture were always, how can I put this? Um, They were not just not permitted or taboo, like in some cultures, they're just absolutely downright, you either, you throw them out of the camp, you have to stone them, you have to get rid of them. Why is it that God was so adamant about magics and sorcery and 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 you know f- you know summoning spirits and familiars and that kind of stuff why because he knew how fake it was and how dangerous it was to believe in such things well i mean they're not even believing in it they're actually practicing it so like we're talking about people who are engaging if you allow a virus to stay in your body and not get rid of it, that virus will eventually take over your entire body and destroy you. Believing in falsities does exactly that within any culture. It affects it. And there are certain 
there's a lot of things that exist today that many people believe that are false. And let's face it, no matter what we believe, unless, unless God says it's true, it's not true. Unless God says it is true, it is not, not true. So even I, there's a lot of things that even I believe today are probably false. There's, there's, the fact is that the, my shortness of this is that there's only one truth and everything else is a lie. Whether we believe it to be truth or not, unless God says it is truth, it's a lie. So I know I looked into this years ago and like I was a, a mid to late teenager because I thought, why a witch to live? Now, do you guys know anything about uh, the practice of Wicca? Yes. Maybe a little bit. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those who are listening, Wicca is a, can I, can I, I think, I guess I could say a, rig, a religious group, a, a group that believes like Wicca is a very actually loose religious faith system, uh, but they do practice magics and different forms of magics and summonings and that kind of stuff. Okay. And I know that sounds all hokey. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Right. No, I, I actually had several of my very close friends that were Wiccans and, um, I love them very dearly, but the the fact is, is, and this is, maybe this is just my opinion, but after studying this out myself, because I wanted to know why, why in the Bible was, was witchcraft and sorcery and these type of things and summoning of spirits and, and whatnot, why was it so heavy? And through my study, I found out that sorcery was, and, and witchcraft was, was frowned upon because when it comes to all of those types of practices, you are engaging with, talking to, summoning, communicating with, relationship with demons. Mm -hmm. And because the demonic realm, Satan's angels, can I just say, I'll just say that Satan's angels are trying to deceive the world. And when people engaged in these things, they let and, and even requested these demons to be brought in. And at this time, especially this time in the camp, we're they're in very close quarters. They're in a camp, and they could not accommodate somebody practicing such things, uh, especially because they would be worshiping the. They would basically be worshiping the enemy, if if I can put it that way. Like here, there there is only there's only two sides here. It is selfishness and Satan's side, and then it's God's side. Like that's those are the only two sides. Right. And right. I think that is why. Cause I, and I've heard this so many, so many times. Why, why were they so hard on, on witches, especially from my Wiccan friends? Why, you know, the Bible says this about witches and, and, you know, Christians are just after to kill witches. Well, no, that wasn't the point, you know, okay. <laughs> I understand that, but I understand what you're getting at, but that wasn't the point. It was the fact that you're worshiping and you're communicating with something that could inevitably lead to something much deeper, which is, you know, into idolatry and basically violating every, every one of the 10 commandments. What two chapters ago that God just gave with a lot of these, they shall be put to death sort of laws. Even that in a sense, like if you're, when we're born, we're all basically walking dead, right? Like you have to, you have to be, resurrected in this life you know like let's say like in ephesians it talks about how we were dead once we were separated from christ we were separated from god yep. and then we died with christ and now we're, we're resurrected like and there's verses that say you know a seed has to die before it can be born so 
spiritually, we're all dead already. And you have to turn towards God and submit to him and come alive. So when you're spiritually dead, for all practical purposes, you're just dead, you know, like you're even, <laughs> you're not physically dead, but you really are like, you're, you're just, well, you're, the scripture even says that Jesus Christ is the life. Like it, it's, right. it doesn't so, just say that like serendipitously, it means that he is the one that gives life. Right. So yeah. if you're walking and if you're, if you're turning towards that stuff, that's bringing you spiritual death, it is almost a, they, these people could go on and get into even darker stuff and worse oh, stuff yeah, and they could absolutely. spread it through their whole camp. It's well, it, And that's the thing is it's a hard thing no matter what, because it sounds, it sounds so harsh in the society we live in today. It's, it's very anti capital punishment. Now I'm not saying capital punishment is, is, you know, oh, let's, let's all just go back to capital punishment and killing everybody. Well, no, everybody needs a chance. Right. But the thing is, is, what we're talking about here, and especially in this situation, putting ourselves into this scenario, we're talking about a people, number one, a people that God has chosen. Number two, those people chose God. Number three, God laid down not just these Ten Commandments. Like We got to understand, through Israel, God was going to bring salvation. We're not talking about just some people that happen to worship God. We're not talking about the world we live in today, which is you can choose whatever religion you want to, and, and there's no real impact to the world around you in the grand scheme of things. We're talking about God specifically, like this is the train that God is going to deliver his salvation to. This is, this is the vehicle. Well, and I think you made a really good point when you said that these are also a people who chose God. So when he gives out these commandments and you know, what is, what do they say? They say, okay, whatever you say, we'll do up to this so, point. How many times have they said that? Right. Like probably a dozen <laughs> times up to this point. Yeah. So, so, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to follow you. We're going to be obedient. These aren't yeah. just people who are pagan societies who are practicing witchcraft and don't know better. These are people who are learning and they've committed and said, I'm going to do this. So it's like, what a slap in the face to God, you know, when he's done all these amazing things for you. He led you through the wilderness and your sandals didn't even wear out and he rescued you and mm -hmm. and he's giving you these guidelines both to live. And you said, you know, you made a commitment that you were going to do it. And then you, you fall away in Hebrews, you know, that says that, you know, for those that continue, are continually sinning, even with knowing the knowledge like they have the knowledge of the truth and they understand what Jesus did for them. Like there's no sacrifice for that sin anymore. So like it's, there's a difference between you're doing something cause you're ignorant or you're doing something. And cause it was like a mistake, but if you're just willfully committing witchcraft or willfully doing these things, you know, there's no sacrifice for that. So again, you're just, you're dead already. <laughs> and you know something back then, I think almost every country practiced some kind of witchcraft and, this kind of gets on a tangent that God wanted his people to be different for a reason. Uh, he wanted his people to be different so that the nations around Israel will know that he is God. I mean, think about it. If, you, if Israel practiced witchcraft, uh, not only would they have false gods amongst their men, but as well as demons, and uh, the other nations will be able to say, oh, their sorcerers did that. There was no God. There was it was oh, their sorcerers. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, no, it was their 
witches. <sighs> they they resurrected people. That's how they got more people in their army. Wow. That's how they were defeated. That's why they were so invincible. They were zombies already. They couldn't die. Right. Well, and not even just mentioned like back then. I mean, even now, like as Justin said, he knows people who practice Wiccan religion. I know. I mean, I lived in a city for years where witchcraft was very prevalent. It's a very big part of that town, and it was way more mainstream and with people who utterly believed it and followed it as a religion than you could imagine. Like, so it's it's the same today. I don't think it's any different. And if you were to go into a church and see them doing weird Wiccan things, like that would be not okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you guys are not acting. Oh, You're not God's yeah. people. It's wrong. If I may capstone this with a verse, the whole witchcraft thing with a verse. In 1 Samuel 15, 23, and I think this is the reason why God is so adamant against it, outside of the fact that when it comes to many sorceries and witchcraft, it's, it's I'm sorry, you're, you're blatantly, you're worshiping devils and you're allowing demons into your life, okay? If we can just say it like that. Let's take the, let's rip, soft, rip the right? whole veil off, okay? So 1 Samuel 15, 23 states, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Uh, so this is obviously talking about a story in the situation, but God literally comp- or, or compares witchcraft to rebellion. He, like it's a one-to-one. Rebel- witchcraft is the sin of rebellion. And I think that's why God is so... It's like like iron fisted against it because you you are literally worshiping the enemy of his soul. The, it the is ones, very idolatry as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's completely idolatry. This next one in verse nineteen. This may get a little bit past PG, and hopefully we don't stay on it too long. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. Uh, I think. If I can sum it up, unless you guys have more, I think it's because of disease spreading and not just disease spreading, but it's, you know, sexual sins and disease spreading and just. In Leviticus, there's this whole section that's pretty much talking about holiness. And it's saying, you know, you are to be a holy set apart people to me. So, you know, it talks about three main things, talks about all these sexual immorality laws, things like bestiality. It talks about Sodomy. idolatry laws, but things like setting up strange fires, you know, doing, you know, different rituals, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about clean and unclean animals. And it talks about this is what's food and this is what's not food. And when you look at all of these things that all describe what it means to be holy, it's it's understanding God and his creation and that he made everything for a purpose. And he wanted Israel for a purpose, right? Right. So he gave animals, you know, he gave us certain body parts and certain things to do certain things. So if you're using them according to the purpose that God created them for, that is what holiness means. Right. right? So No, absolutely. Like if you're starting a campfire, that's not idolatry, <laughs> like because you're using it according to its purpose, right? Your, your burden leaves and you're... Staying warm. Yeah, if you're doing, yeah, you're staying (laughs) warm, you're cooking food, you know. But if you're having a 
weird seance. ritual, you know, <laughs> then right. it's idolatry because you're you're using it not according to its purpose. Not, so, yeah. you know, this is just like the first blurb of that saying yeah. that. That's a really easy way to put it, and I, yeah. I like how the, how simplified that is. It's just it's if you're not using it according to what the way that God created it. Okay, let, let's continue on then. Uh, verse twenty. He who sacrifices to any God except the Lord, except to the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Now, I do, I do have a, a caveat here when it comes to utterly destroyed. Utterly destroyed does not necessarily mean put to death in this instance, because it's said put to death but before that. But utterly destroyed can mean a lot of things. Like a lot of times it means like cast out, ostracized forced out, pushed out. It can mean death. So I, I won't discount that by any, by any stretch of the imagination. So continuing on, verse 21. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And this is good. God reminds us of them many, many times. I, this is not the first time this has come up where he said you were, you were a stranger or you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Uh, 22. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child if you afflict them in any way and they cry out to me i will surely hear their cry verse 24 and my wrath will become hot and i will kill you with the sword your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless i find this telling about god's character big time he places in the highest regard those who need help those who need protection and especially those who, who can't defend themselves in, in many ways. Uh, 25. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to them. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is the garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Uh, you shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Ooh. In this verse, which we actually see this quoted in Acts, so we can, like... I don't think they're saying at all, like, don't curse God. They're saying, like, don't curse the the spiritual being people among you, the leaders, the rulers. Of course, by doing that, you would be cursing God. But in Acts 23, there's that whole situation where Paul's on trial and he's saying, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. So he's talking about how he's up to this day, like he's followed God's commandments and done all the things, you know, he's in good conscience. Um, but then Ananias, the high priest, goes to like strike him and Paul gets all sassy because he doesn't realize that he's the high priest. So he's like, oh, you would strike me. And he, you know, kind of like fights him. He's like, God's going to strike you down for this. Those who stood by were like, would you revile God's high priest? Because they're, they're bringing up this law. And Paul says, oh, I didn't know that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So he's like quoting Exodus. So he's saying, 
I wouldn't have said that had I known you were the high priest, you know, because he still follows all these commandments, you know. And the interesting thing about this also is, and especially in today's culture, is we have a very, I'll just say politically charged culture in the last two years, if I can say that. And it's, it's, it's very common, and I'm sure you guys have seen the signs and flags and everything else all around. I'm not going to quote what they say, but the fact is, is we are cursing our leaders, uh, one in particular, and talking bad about them. But the thing is, is I think God is also saying this. This is like a double-edged sword here. It's not just you cursing a ruler for the sake of cursing a ruler and now, you know, you're cursing them and that's bad. It, there's also other things. If, if you talk ill of rulers... All that does is create animosity in the country. All that does is create animosity and hatred in the 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 country, the 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 people, the group, whatever it is. And I mean, even if you're speaking ill of managers in a store you work at, all it does is create hatred for that person. And then all you do, all you you inevitably end up getting is just this hodgepodge of of confusion and frustration and hatred instead of trying to work together and you know, find solutions. All we're doing is just creating more and more strife for ourselves. You know, I'm just saying it's a double-edged sword. It's not just, well, God said not to do it. So don't do it because it's a bad thing. But there's also another thing. God knows it's, it's bad for you to do it. Like it ruins your personality. It ruins your character and other people around you as well. So, all right, let's keep going. We, We only have a few more verses left. Verse 29, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother. Seven days on the eighth day you shall give it to me. Verse 31, and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field don't eat roadkill. <laughs> you shall throw it to the dogs. Yes, yeah, so that literally says don't eat roadkill. There goes the Beverly Hillbillies. Right, I guess so. No possum stew. Yeah. No, the, these are these are good guys. I mean, many of us like kind of gloss over this. We kind of talked about this before we even started a little bit about why why is it that most people don't know about all of these things post. Ten Commandments, like most people, they know the story up to the Ten Commandments, and then they know that little blip, which we're going to get to eventually, where they sin against God, but nobody remembers reading these things about God teaching Israel in the Old Testament about mercy and grace and loving others and treating people fairly, and like Susanna was summed up so beautifully that make it right make it good to, to quote scripture. It says here, he shall surely make it good. Speaking about with your neighbor, it just, we kind of gloss over these things, but we don't realize like Jesus taught these things. Jesus got them. Guess what? From Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you know, it just, it's, it's a beautiful thing about God's mercy and grace. And I think that's awesome, Susanna, that you said that you know, I feel like when I was younger, I was always like, I'm going to read through the Bible and I would do really, really well until I hit about, you know, here. <laughs> and then and, it's like, but then, then it's, I think it's that mindset that we're kind of taught that this isn't really that important anymore. <laughs> like, oh, there's, you know, this was then. Everything and then was, there's, yeah, everything's there's grace and mercy now. about it anymore. Yeah, but then someone no, told me how, you know, they pointed out that this is how we see God's character. And now it's just like my favorite parts of the Bible to read because I can see 
you know, how much it shows us about God and how, like you said, Justin, how loving he is and how merciful and how, you know, grace and how, you know, even when there is wrath, you see the importance of that, that balance and how sometimes there's consequences and sometimes there's not consequences. And, you know, it's all so, so rich and good. And, and the end of Exodus 22, ladies and gentlemen. All right. And I guess, I guess I'll close out unless you guys have a last word. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We were given to uh, dive deeply into your word and to really pick apart Exodus 22 and some of these more specifics you've given us and given Israel, Father. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'll please uh, help, help us all to take this to heart. Help us to examine our hearts, Father, as this day continues on. And uh, Lord, the next time we open your word and come together to do this, I pray you'll send your Holy Spirit to, to guide us once again through your word. We love you so much, and we thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This has been Antonio. And this is Susanna. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will see you next time. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Well, I don't know what I'm allowed to say on here. <laughs> Premarital stuff. So we, we try to keep it PG. So. Exactly. <laughs> Premarital stuff. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>